0: Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz.
1: The people in Britain like us right now, (laughs) and I can't believe you're doing this.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was watching, I was watching 100% hotter today. All right. And the British accent is in my head. Yeah, it's real strong there. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um but yeah, enough about me. Ooh.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm very sore from the gym. Oh no, I'm sorry. Do you
1: remember when we would take um punch and strike class? Yes, I do. Oh man, if you never got to take a punch and strike class, don't. Well,
0: <laughs> the advice is Do not
1: easily you burn like a thousand calories in an hour, like easy.
0: Yes, but you also feel like you are you are crawling your way toward the abyss of death. It's (laughs) awful. Like your blood gets to be like one hundred and seventy five degrees. It's pumping through your ears. It's terrible. I thought you were done with Power Thirty. Oh no! When are you done
1: with it? I'm in it forever. I got sucked into like paying extra to take extra classes at the gym that I already paid to go to so is it
0: wasn't it like a three month thing yeah uh, oh jeez so doing it do you want me to go talk to shelby <laughs> i'll talk to shelby i i would have no qualms marching in there Get as your representation my gym <laughs>
1: contract
0: yep i'll do it
1: oh man well <laughs> speaking of the gym i guess okay and boxing okay. what you do in punch and strike oh, um, yeah. i decided that this week i was going to cover the boxer rebellion oh. um which maybe you don't know what it is but turns out it's it's a big deal
0: Uh, all i know about it is um the band Mm -hmm. a great band oh yeah and something about it happening it happened in asia yes somewhere in asia that's it that's all i know it's like you told the podcast it's good (laughs) you don't have to do your topic now nope
1: here we go great thanks for listening everybody (laughs) um yeah so that's this week i'm going to talk to you about the boxer rebellion So the Boxer Rebellion, also known as the Boxer Uprising, and also known as the Yihetuan Movement, was a violent anti-foreign, anti-colonial, and anti-Christian uprising that took place in China between 1899 and 1901, toward the end of the Qing Dynasty, that's Q... QING KING mm-hmm. Um so let's go back to 1890s China shall Here we, we? Go. All right so leading China right now is the Qing dynasty it's the last imperial dynasty of China which was established in 1636 and it ruled China from about 1644 until 1912 so it was preceded by the Ming dynasty and then later succeeded by the Republic of China so Qing dynasty is the last dynasty imperial dynasty in China Oh okay Um the Qing multicultural empire lasted almost three centuries and it formed the territorial base for the modern Chinese state. And at the time it was the fourth largest empire in world history. Oh, wow. So the reign name of the emperor is chosen at the beginning of the emperor's reign. So for okay. instance, while British monarchs rule under their given birth name, um, things like popes, they're given a yeah. uh, different reigning names. So you'll hear me talk about the Zian Fang emperor, for instance, uh, and that's how he is referred to with his reign name. But uh, okay. he was born with a different name. Okay. Okay. So who's in charge of China in 1899? Yeah. Who? I want to know. The Empress Dowager Qi. So okay. um, she was born in 1835 and later died in 1908. So, um, Empress Dowager Cixi, that's C I X I, she's the Chinese Empress Dowager and regent who effectively controlled the Chinese government in the late Qing Dynasty for 47 years from 1861 until her death in 1908. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Empress Dowager is the English language translation of the title given to either the mother or widow of a Chinese, Japanese, Korean, or Vietnamese emperor. Okay. So So, that whole
0: region... Yeah. It's the Empress the Dowager. Empress Dowager.
1: So let me tell you her backstory. Please. Um, she was born in Peking to a member of the official class and presumably also to a woman, but who knows? They didn't write down anything <laughs> about her mother. <laughs> of course. Um, at age 16 in 1851, Siqi was elected as an imperial concubine of the Zhang Feng Emperor and given a new name. She was then called Noble Lady Lan uh she gave birth to the emperor's only surviving son named zai chun z-a-i-c-h-u-n in 1856 and she moved her way up the ranks in the imperial chinese harem system receiving a new name each time oh wow by the time she moved up to the level where she was pregnant she was called imperial concubine Yi.
0: that's a lot of names so you change your name yeah. every time you get promoted basically, basically. that's got to be tough to keep yeah rem- i was think someone, so i wonder if you got in trouble if someone called you by your old name oh man you're like um no I got moved up last year.
1: You'll but It's interesting refer to I think it's like they would have had to have a lot of record keeping. Oh yeah, that's true. In order true. to make sure that they were able to track the right, the right people through time. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, huh? Um, it's common in English translation to simplify the hierarchy of the imperial harem system into mm. three ranks of empress, consorts, and then concubines. Okay. And then afterwards, she was named Noble Consort Yi, placing her only second to the Empress in the household. So she was like... She was up, up She made her way up there because she had given the emperor his only son. Uh, okay, yeah. So, Xi was known for her ability to read and write Chinese. And this skill granted her numerous opportunities to help the ailing emperor in the governing of the Chinese state on a daily basis. Uh-huh. On various occasions, the Zhang Feng emperor had Xi Qi read for him and leave instructions according to his will. And Xi became well-informed about state affairs and the art of governing from the ailing emperor. Mm. After the Zhangfang Feng emperor's death in 1861... The young boy, Zhe Chun, who was five years old, became the Tangji Emperor, and Siqi was promoted to the status of Empress Dowager. Nice. She ousted a group of regents appointed by the late emperor and assumed regency, which she shared with the emperor's noble consort, Empress Dowager Xian, who went by the East Empress Dowager. So the two Empress Dowagers were appointed joint de facto regents for the Tangji emperor, who was too young to rule. And because women were not allowed to be seen during imperial court sessions, they had to sit behind a curtain while attending such sessions together with the child emperor.
0: So the kid got to sit out with everybody uh-huh. else, but they had to be behind a curtain. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that puts you at a disadvantage because you're <laughs> the ones making the decisions. I mean, the kid's what, like two or three? So you got to make the decisions. Yes, yeah, he, he's five years old. Five now. years old. Mm-hmm. So they gotta they gotta hear but not see anybody, mm-hmm. and then they gotta compare notes afterwards. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, so complicated.
1: Yeah. I make it complicated. It's really for ladies. Inter- It's interesting that we have like a joint empress. Regents yes. happening right now. Yeah. So though in principle Sion had precedence over Sichi. Sion didn't like the spotlight and she seldom intervened in politics, unlike Sichi, who actually controlled the imperial court. So as de facto rulers, both Sion and Sichi studied history. Um, and the Tongji Emperor, who was really young, but they were growing him they were grooming him to rule. Um, he sounded like he was real like sullen teen who didn't really want people to tell him <laughs> what to do. Like I don't want to go so far as to say he was a dirtbag teen, oh, but like okay, Yeah. He he didn't really like, like, he was like, whatever, whatever.
0: Man.
1: You're not go, my dad.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go ride my skateboard, <laughs> smoke cloves, <Move>. opium.
1: <laughs>
0: that's true. Yes.
1: But here's the problem. In 1874, he got smallpox and died. Oh, no. Without an heir. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I
0: feel so bad about
1: <laughs> calling him a dirtbag.
0: Oh, that's terrible.
1: So we had the two Empress Dowagers that were the facto regents. Yeah. And the emperor died. Oh, geez. Oh, crap. So, Xichì consolidated control over the dynasty, and she installed her three-year-old nephew as the Su Emperor in 1875. Hmm. So, this decision was controversial in of itself because it kind of went against the traditional rules of succession of the Qing dynasty. Sure, um, Guangxu is spelled G U A N G X U. Okay. Um, see, she decided that the time was ripe for a bureaucratic overhaul, and she personally sought audience with all officials above the level of provincial governor who had to report to her personally. In 1881, her co ruler Xian died of a brain hemorrhage, basically leaving Cixi to rule China since the emperor was eight years old. Yeah. Cixi refused to adopt Western models of government, but she supported technological and military reforms. And by 1887, the Guangzhou emperor started to dip his toes into the water of being in charge with Cixi's help. And after he selected himself a wife and some advisors, Cixi was effectively retired as regent in 1889, but continued to act as head of the imperial family.
0: So I wonder how she felt about that. I wonder if she like retired, quote unquote. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because uh, it seems as though she was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. She, oh yeah, calling she liked the me. she
1: absolutely loved calling the shots. Okay, so. Emperor Huang came up with something called the Hundred Days Reforms in 1898. So these were aimed at making sweeping social and institutional changes. So he did this in response to weaknesses exposed by China's defeats by Japan in the Sino-Japanese Wars and the Opium Wars with England. The reformers declared that China needed more than just self-strengthening and that innovation must be accompanied by institutional and ideological change. So in addition to the edicts of reform, plans were made to forcefully remove Empress Dowager Cixi from power. Hmm. And these abrupt reforms, however, came without building support either at the court or in the bureaucracy. And Cici, whether concerned that they would check her power or fearful that they would lead to disorder, she stepped in to prevent them from going further. And with support from major politicians and the backing of conservatives, Cici engineered a coup d'etat on September 22nd, 1898, forcing the young, reform-minded Huang Su, basically under house arrest within the summer palace. Cichi then took over the government as regent, and the traditional view of the Hundred Days Reforms has portrayed the reformers as heroes and the conservative elites, particularly the Empress Southerner Cichi, as villains, unwilling to reform because of their selfish interests. And the failure of the reform movement disillusioned many educated Chinese and thus further weakened the king government
0: wow okay so she had she had set up this kid she Mm -hmm. was like all right he's gonna be made in my image yeah and then he was like no i want to i want to bring in like western stuff and i want to go modern and all this stuff he didn't
1: like talk this out with people he was just like like, this this is is what we're doing now and nobody agreed with him oh boy and then everybody who like tried to all the like forward thinkers and stuff that were with him they got like run out of town oh sure yeah yeah So China's having a national crisis. Sure. That's where we're at. They've embarrassingly lost some wars. There's a lot of Christian missionaries all over the place trying to convert them from their historic religions. Yeah. And the ideas that they have had to fix the country's problems have gone nowhere. So uh, a lot of the Chinese are worried that the foreigners in their country are about to carve it up and that it would Mm. be taken over by other powers like France, Japan, Russia, and Germany. So Uh it's time. The Boxer Rebellion. The Boxers It was rebel. initiated by the Military United in Righteousness, called Yi Hetuan, also known in English as the Boxers.
0: But hmm. why? Yeah, that's well, what I was going to say. Well,
1: many of their members had been practitioners of Chinese martial arts, also referred to in the West under the umbrella term Kung Fu, or known then as Chinese boxing. I
0: see. So, because they practiced martial arts as their, their weapon of choice, yes. I guess you could say, we being reductive Uh westerners we're just like
1: boxers done (laughs) Mm -hmm. basically okay and a quick sidebar um, in Chinese martial arts, the imagery of the five animals or five forms appears predominantly in southern styles of martial arts. So these are tiger, crane, leopard, snake, and dragon. And the five animal martial arts supposedly originated from the Hainan Shaolin Temple, which is north of the Yangtze River. There is also an alternative selection which uses the crane, the tiger, the monkey, the snake, and the mantis, which you might remember from the Kung Fu Panda. I was movie just about series. to say Kung yeah. Fu Panda is where I learned this from. Yes. yes. <laughs> So, although the Boxers came from various parts of society, many of them were peasants, particularly from the Shandong province, which had been struck by natural disasters such as famine and flooding. Mm. And in the 1890s, China had given territorial and commercial concessions in this area to several European nations, and the Boxers blamed their poor standard of living on foreigners who were colonizing their country. Sure. So, they were motivated by proto-nationalist sentiments. So that means the belief that their nation would benefit from acting independently rather than collectively mm. and emphasizing national rather than international goals and by opposition to Western colonialism and the Christian missionary activity that was associated with it.
0: You know what I'm getting out of this? You know what I'm feeling? What are you feeling? I'm feeling that red wave. I'm feeling that red wave of communism, <laughs> not my administration. <laughs> Jesus. I just, as I was saying red wave, I was like, uh-oh. It's like not... Not our dear Aunt Flo.
1: I can offer you some chocolate covered pretzels.
0: (laughs) Good. Thank you. I will take some. Um, No, the red wave of communism. This is setting up. Mm -hmm. This I feel like this is setting up a lot of
1: future stuff. Yeah, a lot of sentiment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the uprising took place against a background that included severe drought and disruption caused by the growth of foreign spheres of influence. And after several months of growing violence in Shandong and the North China plain against both foreign and Christian presence in June 1900, boxer fighters who were somehow convinced that they were invulnerable to foreign weapons converged on Peking with the slogan, support the king government and exterminate the foreigners. And uh, June 1900 is a big month here. The railway line to Tianjin was cut by the boxers in the countryside and then Peking was isolated. So Peking is now Beijing. It was. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. The name kind of changed when the lettering was anglicized in the 70s. Okay. So I, when I'm talking about Peking, I'm talking about the Beijing. capital of China. Yeah. So foreigners and Chinese Christians sought refuge in what they called the Legation Quarter. So the Legation Quarter was approximately two miles long and one mile wide. And this was the area of the city designated by the king government for foreign legations. In 1900, there were 11 legations, also known as diplomatic missions. So that's kind of like an embassy, but not quite since they weren't entirely welcome at this point. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. That's kind of what it's kind of like a supposed to be like a safe haven for foreigners. Okay. Um, That's a legation. So um, there were about 11 of them located in the quarter, as well as a number of foreign businesses and banks. And in response to reports of an armed invasion, um, the initially hesitant Empress Dowager, Cici, Supported the Boxers, and on June 21st, issued an imperial decree declaring war on the foreign powers. So, diplomats, foreign civilians, and soldiers, as well as Chinese Christians in the legation quarter, were detained by the Imperial Army of China and the Boxers. Outside of China, the British, U.S., Germans, and other Europeans were aware of the uprising and attempted to intervene. There's one account that says that a German soldier caught a young boxer, um, like in the streets, and. Executed him Which oh, isn't great No But then the boxers Retaliated by breaking Into the walled city Of Peking that afternoon And burning many Of the Christian churches And cathedrals in the city And burning some victims alive Wow So
0: this was A real mess Yeah That sounds Like a tense situation Yes Uh <laughs> huh If anything
1: Agreed uh, Chinese officialdom Was split between Those supporting the boxers And those favoring conciliation Led by Prince King The supreme commander Of the Chinese forces The Manchu General Ronglu later claimed that he acted to protect the besieged foreigners, and many officials refused the imperial order to fight against foreigners in their mutual protection of Southeast China because King had lost the first Sino-Japanese war five years before. I'm not really entirely sure that they refused because it was like a grudge or because Mm. they were just like really loyal to their country or what, but, you know, they said that they didn't want to you know intervene yeah they didn't want to get involved so the legations of the United Kingdom France Germany Italy Austria Hungary Spain Belgium the Netherlands the US Russia and Japan were located in the Peking legation quarter south of the Forbidden City and the Chinese army and boxers besieged the legation quarter for 55 days from June 20th to August 14th 1900 so there's about 500 foreign civilians 400 soldiers Marines and sailors from eight countries and about 3,000 Chinese Christians that took refuge there under the command of the British minister to China, Claude Maxwell MacDonald, the legation staff and military guards defended the compound with small arms, three machine guns, and one old muzzle-loaded cannon, which they nicknamed the International Gun, because <laughs> the barrel was British, the carriage Italian, the shells Russian, and the crew American. Oh, that's adorable. I love it. I love it. That's- um, also under siege in Peking was the northern cathedral called Beitang, of the Catholic Church. And the Beitong was defended by 43 French and Italian soldiers, 33 Catholic foreign priests and nuns, and about 3,200 Chinese Catholics. The defenders suffered heavy casualties, especially from lack of food, but also the mines which the Chinese exploded in tunnels dug beneath the compound. Oh the exact number of Chinese soldiers and boxers besieging the legation quarter and the Beitang is unknown, but it reminds me a little bit of the Alamo, like just oh, like yeah, just like constant. days and days and days. Mm-hmm. And on the 22nd and 23rd of June, Chinese soldiers and boxers set fire to areas north and west of the British legation, trying to use it as a frightening tactic to attack the defenders. Historians and librarians, who might I'm going to put on some earmuffs for the next like 15 Uh-oh. seconds. Oh no. The nearby Hanlon Academy, a complex of courtyards and buildings that housed what was known to be the quintessence of Chinese scholarship, the oldest and richest library in the world oh, no. caught fire and each side blamed the other for the destruction of the invaluable books that it contained. Oh, that's awful. It's very Especially bad. Especially
0: for, I mean, a culture that just loved to write stuff that's down. That's true. They, you should. know, mm-hmm. they had a really good hit like, History that they kept with themselves and constantly updated, and they were burying on top of things. They invented paper. They invented paper. They invented paper for a reason so they could write stuff down.
1: Yep. It's terrible. It all got destroyed. So flammable. Very sad. And that was in the 20th century. Yeah, that was not
0: that mm -hmm. long ago in the grand scheme.
1: But okay, how are we going to save the people in the legation court? Yeah. Because you know, the 20th century loved to name their teams we're getting the eight-nation alliance. Oh, so yes. that's <laughs> interna- an international military coalition set up in response to the Boxer Rebellion. So these eight nations were Japan, Russia, Britain, France, the United States, Germany, Italy, and Austria-Hungary. So gonna- maybe not people that always... Yeah, That Uh, that always got along, but they're all together right now because they're like, wait a second, we got a bunch of people in this country and these other people are like trying to kill our people. Yeah,
0: like legitimately, like
1: actively. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking,
0: here's my suggestion, without knowing anything about this, (laughs) helicopters. Uh,
1: It is the year 1900. Foot-powered helicopters. (laughs) 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 They might have had enough time to... To, to that invent together? that together, sure. Okay. sure, sure. All right, all right. So, just so, saying, just saying. <laughs> the Eight Nation Alliance worked na- together. The Eight Nation Alliance, yeah. yep, they worked together to figure out how to save all their people. So, long story short, after initially being turned back, the alliance brought twenty thousand armed troops oh, to China. My gosh. They were like, oh, oh wait, you're not going to stop this? Oh, all, right, all right. All right. Here we go. We're bringing, bringing in 20,000 armed troops. They defeated the imperial army oh, and they geez. arrived at Peking on August 14th, relieving the siege of the legations. Uncontrolled plunder of the capital and surrounding <gasps> countryside ensued, which is ultimately how a lot of Chinese treasures made their way to the West.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. So they weren't just like, all right, we're going to save our guys and get out of here. They were like, we're going to make you pay. Here we go. Yep. And then taking there was everything. like a lot of,
1: well, everybody was plundering. And oh, sure. At that point. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. There's that. Uh, but the New York Sun called the siege the most exciting episode ever known to civilization. Well,
0: yeah, because they weren't there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it just got letters like six months later. Come on. <laughs>
1: It would have been a very long like Morse code, like, yes, oh, <laughs> so long, <laughs> anyway. After the capture of Peking by the foreign armies some of Empress Dowager Cixi's advisors advocated that the war be carried on arguing that China could have defeated the foreigners since yeah, it was disloyal and traitorous people within China who actually allowed Peking and Tianjin to be captured by the allies and that the in- interior of China was impenetrable Cixi mm. was practical here however and decided that the terms were generous enough for her to acquiesce when she was assured of her continued reign after the war and that China would not be forced to cede any foreign te- any territory to oh foreigners. sure, okay. Yeah. So the Boxer Protocol of September seventh, nineteen oh one, provided for the execution of government officials who had supported the Boxers, oh, provisions for the foreign troops to be stationed in Peking, and four hundred fifty million taels of silver. So that's approximately ten billion dollars at oh twenty seventeen silver prices. Um, and that was like more than the government's annual tax revenue. Oh my gosh. To be paid as indemnity over the course of the next thirty nine years to the eight nations involved. The Empress Dowager then sponsored a set of institutional and fiscal changes in a failed attempt to save the dynasty. But under her reforms, now known as the New Policies, which started in 1901, the imperial examination system for government service was eliminated and the system of education through Chinese classics was replaced with a European liberal system that led to a university degree. And along with the formation of new military and police organizations, the reforms also simplified central bureaucracy and made a start on revamping tax policies. So the European Great Powers finally Cease their ambitions Of colonizing China Having learned From the Boxer Rebellions That the best way To deal with China Was through the ruling dynasty Rather than dealing With the people themselves Yeah So it was like It was mostly like 55 day siege Is like the big The big 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 event Of the Boxer Rebellion The rest of it Was kind of like People who joined this um, Like ideal People who joined this Ideation like Doing things over the countryside To kind of yeah, show their displeasure, but the big, big thing was was, was the siege in the legation quarter, and then the the eight the eight nation alliance coming in and whooping ass. Wow, they really whooped ass. Too. Yeah,
0: that's awful, and a lot of people died. It oh was, yeah, no, it's it this is really, not a good thing at like, all.
1: I think when we when we see it in footnotes, we're like, oh, the Boxer Rebellion in China. Okay, yeah, whatever. I, like rebellion is,
0: yeah, it doesn't. I think the the term rebellion doesn't really
1: convey uh, the co- gravity yeah, exactly. of the situation. Cuz
0: Rebellion sounds like they were like, "Hey, stop it." <laughs> and they were like, "No, we won't." And then that's it. <laughs> but no, that was a lot of people died. Yeah. Rebellion sounds like it's petulant.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I have a little bit more info on oh please So, mm-hmm. um she died in the Hall of the Graceful Bird of the Middle Sea. <gasps> oh my god. I, I want to die there. <laughs> At, that sounds amazing at Zong- <laughs> yeah at Zongnanhai, peking on november 15th 1908 after having installed a new emperor the previous day before when the emperor huang su had died so this this kid that she initially had installed in as the next emperor and then she didn't like him she put him under house arrest yeah she you know whatever she, she kept ruling, all that and ruling. well he died okay and then she Put in a new emperor And then she died The day after What a thing huh. Well uh, In November 2008 Forensic <gasps> tests Concluded that the That the Guangzhou emperor Died from acute Arsenic poisoning Oh my god Apparently the level Of arsenic in his remains Was 2,000 times higher Than that oh of ordinary people so that's
0: so she did not she didn't leave anything to chance. Nope. She really just filled. She, I, I don't full know if arsenic. she was
1: like really sick and she knew that she was on her way out and she was gonna. <laughs> she was just take him with her.
0: Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Wow, what a um,
1: <laughs> what a <laughs> yeah solid bitch. Yep. Yeah. A couple decades before, or yeah, she designed her own tomb. So this was of a course. complex of temples, gates, and pavilions covered in gold leaf, with gold and gilded bronze ornaments hanging from the beams and the eaves. In July 1928, her tomb was plundered by the warlord Sun Dianyang and his army as part of the looting of the Eastern Mausoleum of China. They methodically stripped the complex of its precious ornaments, then dynamited the entrance to the burial chamber, oh my opened Siqi's coffin, threw her corpse, <gasps> said to have been found intact on the ground, and stole the jewels contained in the coffin. And they also took the massive pearl that had been placed in the Empress Dowager's mouth. They do that to protect the corpse from decomposing in accordance to Chinese tradition. Oh my god! So they took the pearl that was in her, in her mouth. corpse's mouth oh my god. and there's an unconfirmed legend that um, Sun Dian Yang, the warlord, offered the large pearl from Chi's crown to Chiang Kai-shek and that it ended up as an ornament on the gala shoes of his wife, <gasps> Sun Mei Yang.
0: I'm surprised she didn't haunt his ass. Like, if he <laughs> threw her body out of her coffin, like, uh-huh. if I were her, I'd be mad. Especially yeah. Especially if
1: I died in the temple of the, what, Graceful Bird? The te- The hall of the Graceful Bird at the Middle Sea.
0: See, if I died there, I'd haunt whoever yep. took me out, you know?
1: Yeah. And it took, a co- I think, a couple decades for them to, like, restore this this wow. temple to to what it had been. Um. And following an uprising in 1911, so right after she died, the Qing mm-hmm. dynasty came to an end, and China became a republic in 1912. I see. Interesting. There you go. Spots rebellion. I, and Empress Dowager, Cixi, who was kind of a badass. Kind of a badass. A kind of an awful not, person. Maybe
0: not a great person. No, just an awful person. Killed a lot of people. <laughs> Probably. Really power hungry. But, I mean, kind of a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a quick and dirty
1: boxer rebellion history. I love it. Thank you so much. You're sure sure. welcome. (laughs) And uh, here's your quiz. Sure. Called The Boxers Are Rebelling. It's a quiz on famous boxers and fictional rebellions. Shoot. Question one. Nicknamed the Lion, which 6 foot 5- inch world heavyweight champion from England retired in 2004 with an incredible career record of 41 wins, two losses, and a tie. It wouldn’t be walking on eggshells or broken glass to call him one of the best heavyweight boxers of all time. Question two. In the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the rebel student group Dumbledore's Army was founded by Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Hermione Granger to stand up to the regime of which newly declared Hogwarts High Inquisitor, who, despite her cutesy kitten-covered office, was a cruel and abusive woman. Question three. Two of the greatest boxers of all time shared the very same sweet nickname, though they fought decades apart. An alternative rock band from Newport Beach, California, who still probably played music every morning, also goes by this title. What fly name do all three share? Question 4. The Alliance to Restore the Republic, colloquially known as the Rebel Alliance, is an interstellar, pro-democratic republic coalition of revolutionary factions and clandestine cell systems in what blockbuster film universe? Question five. The trilogy of 1970s boxing matches between heavyweight champions Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali each received a very memorable title. First, there was Fight of the Century in 1971. Then, Super Fight 2 in 1974. This culminated in what 1975 bout in a place located on the Pacific Ring of Fire? And, for bonus points, who won that final match? Question 6. Speaking of trilogies, the Hunger Games series by Suzanne Collins takes place during the Second Rebellion in a dystopian country consisting of the wealthy capital and 12 districts in varying states of poverty. What is the name of this country whose greatest tradition is selecting district children as tributes to participate in a compulsory annual televised death match called the Hunger Games? Question seven. In 1926, this heavyweight fighter and cultural icon nicknamed Kid Blackie fought Gene Tunney and lost in an upset, telling his wife... Honey, I forgot to duck. What was the real name of this aggressive boxer who competed from 1914 to 1927? No word if he's related to McDreamy. Question 8. The brown coats of the reunification war are the protagonists in what canceled too soon American space Western drama television series? Question 9. Vladimir Klitschko, a six foot, six inch boxer nicknamed Dr. Steelhammer, has an Olympic gold medal and several heavyweight championship titles to his name. Us weekly readers might better know him as the partner of much shorter actress Hayden Panettiere, Still actively boxing, from what country does Vladimir Klitschko hail? And finally, question 10. V for Vendetta, a graphic novel and later film following its protagonist, V, an anarchist revolutionary dressed in a Guy Fawkes mask, was written by which renowned graphic novel author and occultist. I'll give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers.
0: pretty good i think i got it well not all of it but you know you know more than you think yeah i you know what i do know more than i think (laughs) you know what julia you know more than you think we all know (laughs) more than we assume we do take that take that and chew on it everybody all right here we go i'm ready here we go
1: question one Nicknamed the Lion, which six foot five world heavyweight champion from England retired in two thousand four with an incredible career record of forty one wins, two losses, and a tie. It wouldn't be walking on eggshells or broken glass to call him one of the best heavyweight boxers of all time. Is it Lennox? Yes.
0: Keep going. Uh, Lennox Lewis.
1: Yes. Yes. Lennox Lewis. I got that.
0: I got to be honest. I got that from the Annie Lennox reference. But thank you. That's all that matters. Yeah.
1: Uh, Lennox Lewis was active professionally from 1989 till 2004, and he has received the most excellent order of the British Empire, which is a British order of chivalry, rewarding contributions to the arts and sciences, work with charitable and welfare organizations, and public service outside the civil service. So he is like a knight, basically. Good for him. Yeah. Question two: In the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the rebel student group Dumbledore's Army was founded to stand up to the regime of which newly declared Hogwarts High Inquisitor, who, despite her cutesy kitten-covered office, was a cruel and abusive woman.
0: I I don't know. You don't know. I'm still in the first book. Yeah. I I'm, it's nobody famous. I mean, nobody who's like no, obviously. well loved. No, nobody
1: loves. No, this is a bad character. Yeah, this is
0: not. Well, this is not a character that like I I would see. And people are like, oh, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Dolores
1: (laughs) Umbridge is her name. Dolores Umbridge. Umbridge.
0: Which sounds like a bad person's Mm -hmm. name. You know, it sounds like a rolled doll character. Yeah, the lady in
1: the movie who plays her is actually really great. She plays her like terrifyingly. Like she's all tiny and she wears pink and she's buttoned up and she, (laughs) like she has like a nervous like like, laugh and she's just. Out of her mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. Basically. Question three. Two of the greatest boxers of all time shared the very same sweet nickname, though if they fought decades apart. An alternative rock band from Newport Beach, California, who still probably play music every morning, also goes by this title. What fly name do all three share? It's Sugar Ray. It is Sugar Ray. And, and I, I was hate proud that of that band. question.
0: I, I, no, that was very well written.
1: So, oh, okay. You're, go ahead.
0: Just no, I was going to ask, mm-hmm. who was the lead singer of Sugar Ray? He's now on like a serious... Mark McGrath. Mark McGrath. Have you seen him recently? He, he still looks... He's dressing like he did in the late yes, 90s. But he has had a lot of work done oh, yeah? on the old foch, if okay. you will. Like his... It's a... <laughs> his face um he it's like he's so smooth the as old to be skull sh- rapper the old skull wrapper. he's so shiny and like mm. he looks unnatural his cheekbones are really high cuz he's had a lot of filler Boy, it's really bad anyway what were you going to say that was actually relevant <laughs>
1: I'm just going to give Some more information Oh okay please do So Sugar Ray Robinson Yes um, He was an American Professional boxer Who competed from 1940 To 1965 Widely considered The greatest pound for pound Boxer of all time Robinson's performances In the welterweight And middleweight divisions Prompted sport writers To create the pound For pound rankings Where they compared Fighters regardless of weight And from 1943 to 1951 He went on a 91 fight Unbeaten streak The third longest In professional boxing history And he's credited With being the originator Of the modern sport. Entourage, which is funny oh. <laughs> to think about. Mm-hmm. Oh
0: wow! Okay, I can see that. Yeah, like a little posse that comes yeah. with you and is your just like a big group of. Hype yeah, men. you're
1: like wearing your fur coats. Yeah, and you're rolling in to places with your twenty deep. I mean, yeah. that's the dream, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. He was a couple decades later. Competed from 1977 to 1997. Uh, he won world titles in five weight divisions. Um, the lineal championship in three weight divisions and the for the undisputed welterweight title. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was the first boxer to earn more than 100 million dollars in purses oh and he was named boxer of the decade in the 1980s. And then, you know, like I mentioned, the Band Sugar Ray, yeah. Mark McGrath, etc. Um they were initially named the Shrinky Dinks. That but makes after sense. signing with Atlantic Records, the name was changed to Sugar Ray upon threat of a lawsuit from Milton Bradley, maker of Shrinky Dinks. <laughs>
0: They were really like, that's the thing that, that made them change their name, uh-huh. not the fact that their name, their band name was stupid. They were like, oh, we're getting sued. Damn it.
1: Yep. I thought that was interesting. That's, that's good yeah. bit of trivia. There you go. Question four. The Alliance to Restore the Republic, colloquially known as the Rebel Alliance, is an interstellar pro-democratic republic coalition of revolutionary factions and clandestine cell systems in what? <laughs> Blockbuster film universe. As Star Wars. It is Star Wars. Yes. And that's really all I can say. <laughs> Because <laughs> Star Wars is
0: lost on me. That's all right. I. It's good. It's good. It's a space opera. That's what
1: it is. Okay. You have to see it sing, as like. Now, do they? Huh? They're not really singing in it. No.
0: They're, it's it's more of like um. It has the okay. high uh drama and the far-reaching like detail mm-hmm. of like the universe, mm-hmm. like an opera would have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've given the first film a chance. Great. I'm good. <laughs>
0: And that's okay yeah that's there's right. plenty of other people out there to yeah. love it they have a they have plenty of fans they don't need one they more. don't need you know me. it's fine
1: they don't need me <laughs> Question five. The trilogy of 1970s boxing matches between heavyweight champions Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali each received a very memorable title. First, there was Fight of the Century in 1971, and then Super Fight 2 in 1974. (laughs) This culminated in what? 1975 bout in a place located on the Pacific Ring of Fire. And for bonus points, who won that final match? Um, I'm going to say Rumble in the Jungle. Is that it?
0: No. No. Is it? Oh, God. It's the other one. The other one? Yeah. There's another one? Yeah. Uh, tumble in the. <laughs> <laughs> Tum- <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, okay, I going. was so sure of Rumble in the Jungle that I don't that, that I don't know. All right, tell me what this that is. this
1: is. The Thrilla in Manila.
0: Thrilla in Manila. Damn it! I forgot that it was
1: a word that was the, totally made the up. Rumble in the Jungle was um, George Foreman and Muhammad oh, Ali. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and then. Thril- that-
0: the second quest the second part yep. of that
1: question: Who won the thriller in Manila? I think it was Joe Frazier. No, it was oh, Muhammad Ali. It was Ali. Damn it! That's the one that's down goes Frazier. Oh, that one. Yeah, son of a. Um, so the contest name is derived from the frequent rhyming boast made by Ali that night. That okay? No, I'm going to say it, and it's going to sound terrible coming from me. But pretend no. Muhammad Ali said, uh, sure, quoting I can do Muhammad that. Ali. Yeah, yeah. He said that the fight would be quote a killer and a thriller and a chilla when I get that gorilla in Manila. End quote. The man had an incredible way with words.
0: Yeah. They just, it just poured out of him like, like water. He didn't, it was like he didn't even think and it was, it was amazing.
1: <laughs> Question six. Speaking of trilogies, the Hunger Games series by Susan Collins takes place in the second rebellion in a dystopian country consisting of the wealthy capital in 12 districts in varying states of poverty. What's the name of that country? Uh, is it Panem? It is Panem. Yep. Panem consists of a capital city located in the Rocky Mountains surrounded by 13 outlying districts. And the government is a totalitarian dictatorship similar to ancient Rome, a police state in which the districts are subservient to the capital, expected to provide economic goods in exchange for protection provided by the peacekeepers.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I loved the book series. Mm-hmm. I read them very quickly. Yeah. Um, And uh, the movies are good. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite part of the movies is... um. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Caesar Flickerman. Um, Oh,
1: uh, Stanley Tucci.
0: Stanley Tucci, the tooch. He's amazing with those big fake teeth and his like, his deep, deep tan and his purple hair. He's amazing. Yeah. He's the best part. It's great. It's great.
1: (laughs) Question seven. In 1926, this heavyweight fighter and cultural icon nicknamed Kid Blackie fought Gene Tunney and lost in an upset telling his wife, Honey, I forgot to duck. What was the real name of this aggressive boxer who competed from 1914 to 1927? No word if he's related to McDreamy.
0: I mean, I'm going to go with McDermott. I don't know. I don't know. It's Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he had a nickname. Yep. Kid Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Now I know. I mean, mm-hmm. now I know. Now you know. But the previously, I did not. Yeah. See? We know more than we think and in this instance i did not but
1: and and also i love this tidbit so um president ronald reagan also borrowed this quote from dempsey when his wife nancy visited him in the emergency room after the attempt on his life in 1981 he said honey i forgot to duck
0: that's pretty that's pretty funny yeah i will say ronnie he had a good sense of humor in between munching them jelly beans yep in between jelly beans exactly
1: Question eight. The brown coats of the reunification war are the protagonists in what canceled too soon American space Western drama television series. That's Firefly. It is Firefly. Um, It aired on Fox from 2002 to 2003, but is one of those examples of fan favorite shows that were canceled too soon. Uh, It was made by Joss Whedon, and there were just 14 episodes made. And the series takes place in the year 2517 on a variety of planets and moons and the show takes its name from the firefly class spaceship called serenity that the central characters call home
0: yeah it was fine i saw it it's fine i mean you i think you have to be like a joss whedon fanatic to like really like it. i really didn't like the girl who played river who was like the crazy sister she's got like special powers or something along those lines i just found her irritating Mm -hmm. um it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I, I have no opinions yeah, on the matter. I
1: just know that people are oh, so yeah, crazy about love, it.
0: They love it. I still see um, uh, uh, bumper stickers that say, you know, like <laughs> I'm a brown coat or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> like, let it go. It's not coming back. Whatever. Question nine.
1: Vladimir Klitschko, a six foot six boxer, nicknamed Dr. Steelhammer. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's so great. He has an Olympic gold medal and several heavyweight championship titles to his name. And Us Weekly readers might better know him as the partner of much shorter actress Hayden Panettiere. Still actively boxing, from what country does Vladimir Klitschko hail?
0: Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark uh-huh. and I'm going to say Ukraine. It is Ukraine. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, so Vladimir is the younger brother of former WBIC, WBO, and Ring Magazine heavyweight champion Vitali Klitschko, mm. who is the current mayor of Kiev. Oh. <laughs> wow! There's career. For him. You know, you got a career path right after. Right have out he, of.
0: Have you seen pictures of him with with Hayden Panettiere? He's
1: like two feet taller than her. It's, it's great. I
0: mean, it's insane. Are they still together? Yeah, Do we know they're, they're still together. together. Okay. They have oh,
1: a, good they for have them. A kid together. Yeah. Yeah. Mazel. And finally question 10. V for Vendetta, a graphic novel and later film following its protagonist, V, an anarchist revolutionary dressed in a Guy Fawkes mask, was written by which renowned graphic novel author and occultist? Oh,
0: man. I want to uh I think I know it. And it, was it the same guy who wrote oh no. I don't remember. What is
1: it? It's Alan Moore.
0: Alan Moore. It is the same guy who wrote that book that I read. Yep. Damn
1: it. He also did Watchmen. Watchmen. That's League the one. of Extraordinary Gentlemen and From Hell. And he has occasionally used such pseudonyms as Kurt File, Jill DeRay, and Translucia Baboon. That is, oh, that's such a good and name. And also reprints of some of his work have been credited to the original writer when he requested that his name be removed from it. Oh, interesting. That's so interesting. But Translucia Baboon. Yeah
0: you're giving me like wide eye blinks and I can't tell if you're like that what an amazing name Oh yeah okay I'm glad we're on the same page yes no that's an incredible name I'm gonna change my name to Translucia (laughs) it's great yeah so that was awesome and I felt confident if even if I was wrong so that was a good quiz and I learned a lot thank you Julia
1: if you want to hear us talk
0: more yeah if you want to hear us talk more you can uh find us on uh iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh or use our RSS feed for any podcast app that you prefer. Uh and also we have a website tripledub.misinfopod.com everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um you can get a hold of us on uh, how can they get a hold well, of us Well, they can I could do the emailing is the misinfopod at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter is at misinfopod. Uh, Facebook is misinformation and trivia podcast. Um, I think that's, that's it. Yeah, that's a lot if of things. If we have our
0: numbers, you can send us a text. Yeah, text us. We don't like know. to talk on the phone. No, so that's true. Definitely send a text.
1: Yeah, you might find us at the wine bar, you know. Yeah, so stop by and say, Hey, Give us a little tidbit of trivia uh,
0: and tell a friend. Yeah. And uh, rate, review, and subscribe, you guys. Thanks oh, so much yeah. for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>